Hey everybody, this is Brad Weston. Neil and I want to take a moment to let you know that Top Hill Recording Podcast will be on hold during this corona craziness. We considered recording remotely with our guest, but decided that we like having guests in the studio and recording live music for the podcast. So we are ending season one with this upcoming episode 16, and we hope to see you guys real soon with a new season two. Thank everyone for listening we consider our first season a success and hope to be back with you real soon along with many new top Hill recording podcast listeners thanks again here's episode 16 top Hill recording podcast episode 16 brad weston here tonight with neil johnstone just the two of us buddy yeah man back to the old days yeah coronavirus kind of put the clamps on our guests right now i guess everybody's self-quarantined hey man I appreciate them for it, too. We're all pretty healthy, so let's just stay that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> we'll do the honors there. What do we have tonight? All right, man. Tonight, I, it's, I guess, a coincidence or a not coincidence that our original guests were going to be the Donahue brothers who we are rescheduling, Chris and Chad Donahue. And, of course, as you know, uh, Friday... We spent our first night in this studio recording. Yeah, it was a good time. Oh, my gosh, laying down some tracks. And Lee Donahue himself showed up and brought a gift, a couple gifts, actually. One of them was an amazing stool that he's uh, made into an awesome guitar chair. Yeah. It's killer Mm -hmm. on a swivel and everything. It fits perfectly in here, just like he made it for the recording studio. Yeah, right under, I mean, it, it really does. Slides right under the desk out of the way oh, till you need it. Yep, it's awesome. And then uh, he also brought some old granddad, 114. Yes. That we will be having right now. Man, there's something about that pop. So take a look at the cork. That's a thick cork, man. Yeah, yeah I love that. Reminds me of some... Much bigger than most corks. <laughs> Don't pour it in there. Oh, pour it. Okay. Here we go. First, which one's yours? Do you know? It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, here's the... Uh, I haven't, I've touched them both, so uh, it doesn't matter. Kim, right before I came down here, told me <laughs> that a Belgium doctor says drinking hard liquor will uh, help you be kind of somewhat immune to the coronavirus. So I think we may be completely immune to it there we go i don't believe that though i I don't either but let's just go with that until we something happens otherwise okay i noticed i'm much more mindful about every doorknob i touch everything i touch yes handrails i don't touch any of them even at work now as a mailman i wear gloves i wear we have uh gloves that are always available nobody wears everybody's wearing them now they're, they're, they're becoming a commodity, a hot commodity in the post office. But, you know, I, I wore them every once in a while for a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But um, So now postmen don't need to worry about anthrax. It's corona. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actual other crap that we have to worry about now. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it's, a, it's a weird time to be alive. I, to have, you know, my kid who was uh, supposed to be down in college playing ball, doing those things, season's canceled, she's back home. School's canceled. I'm not 100% certain that JCPS is going to be back in school the rest of the year. So it, it's just crazy times right now, man. I, I, you know, you hear about the Black Plague and Spanish flu and all these things that happen. You, you always just look at that as like, yeah, that was then. But to, to kind of live through something that's, or at least be alive when something starts it's like just that. our it's first crazy. pandemic. It's the first one I know of. I mean, I know we had swine flu and Ebola, uh, but those seemed contained quick, uh, or at least they didn't touch us, you know, and that may be more what it is. It's uh, very remote where this is just, you know, these are the things you kind of read stories about in history books so you, you and you don't know how it plays out. Yeah. Hopefully we don't read about it in the history book, and that means it wasn't as bad as it, as it could be. So. so today is what, March 16th? 16th. This episode, then, I think will be our first April episode. So we'll kind of see what's happened from March 16th till April, whatever that first Friday is. Yeah, we might have a few empty podcasts, and we may have about 10 a week, because what else are we going to (laughs) do? Now, if they shut down the mail system, that's when stuff is serious. So we'll see about that. I'm 
That's kind of been my question is what's going to happen if, if somebody in our office gets it because they're supposed to shut down that entire office for, you know, at least a couple of weeks. So just today they've closed restaurants and bars, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Five o'clock was it? Five o'clock today? Everything shut down. I think so, except for drive-throughs. Drive-throughs right? and carryouts, and a lot of those places, they said they're going to do. They will bring it, like I guess McDonald's or Chick Fil A or what. I'm not sure, but it said continue to order. They'll deliver it. Crazy. It's crazy, man. And you just uh, you hope for the best. You know that's all. It's it's, it's crazy. So what do you think of the old granddad? It's good, man. Surprisingly, yeah. it, well, not surprisingly, one fourteen. It's not harsh at all. So this is a is a Jim Beam product. Okay. It's a high rye, and what's great about it, twenty five to thirty dollars for a high proof bourbon. Really, you can't. It's a must have on my shelf. I always have a bottle of Old Granddad on the bar. You know, and we're drinking out of our Jim Beam glasses, so it's fitting. There we go. Uh, Cheers. Shout out to Ryan West working at Jim Beam. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Oh yeah. You don't hear about old granddad much, but grand, old granddad 114 is, it's something you can always find and it's good. It's not talked about much, is it? Mm-mm. It's got a good flavor, inexpensive for a high proof bourbon. You'd probably pay money for the cork, wouldn't you? Yeah, I like, <laughs> a little bit I like extra. that. I like the bottle. <laughs> the it's got the bottle. little, I don't know if that's a wax seal on the front or yeah, what. Yeah, that's cool. I love that. Like you said, man, it's good. I think I'm into high rise bourbons. I really do. I, yeah. I think that like that spice. Yeah, I think that uh, Elmer T. Lee's got that real rye to it that mm-hmm. I like too. It's got a little more burn to it than yeah. Elmer T. Lee, though. I guess, man. I don't know. I'm starting to get too <laughs> used to this stuff. It tastes pretty daggone good. <laughs> I, was, I was just looking. It's been eight episodes since we last did one with just the two of us. Really. Man, a lot's happened think, think in eight name, episodes. Think you could name them all? Uh, tell me what episode number. It, wait, let me think. This is 16. So la- the last time we it was me and did you, one, then it was Spencer. episode seven. Spencer, yep. then Brent, then Larry Bond, then uh, Ian Truax, then Jeremy Scharf, followed by Phil, uh, Phil Bright, followed by Jenny Carr. No, I missed one. I missed Andy Weston was 13. Followed by Phil Bright and then uh, Jenny Carr and, and Josh. Yeah, there and you go. One. Yeah, not bad, huh? Pretty good lineup. Pretty good memory. That's, I like that. Surprised, aren't you? I was just going through there and thinking, what sticks out? I just started looking. I looked at the names. So, like, I look at Spencer Corbin, and first thing I thought, music therapy. Mm-hmm. That's what stood out. Is there anything stood out for you on his episode? I think the, there's a couple things that stood out. Number one. Freddie's root beer because I've had it since because I saw it and I was like that was yeah. good stuff I'm yeah. gonna have another one so so the 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 story of Freddie's root beer was cool because it really incorporated an under twenty one er into and it still had the the good story. Who uh, told us the other day they tried Freddie's root beer after listening to Lee, that? Episode. I know Lee did and I think it was uh, Josh. Yeah, Josh talked yeah. about it too. I yeah, know Lee, he Lee and Jenny were here. Lee sent a picture to Spencer and I that was a picture of Freddie's root beer and was like this is really good stuff. I think the thing that stands out, and it might just be with me and what stands out about Spencer to me, is he's just this ball of ambition. He's got a lot of um, lofty goals and expectations, which is great. But, yeah, I think music therapy and just, like, I think his future's bright. So when I think about that podcast, I think about kind of being in that age but not having that that much of a foresight on what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of it. Just an all-around good dude. You know, yeah. I thought about the uh, club or, or extracurricular group he started there at the school with the uh, special needs students. That was pretty cool. There are different types of people. There are people that that, that just take you for, for everything that you'll give them. And there's also people that just give you everything that they got. And he's he's a giver, man. He he will he's gonna probably use most of his time to do good things for other people most of the time. And yeah, I just think that he's that type of guy, and and, and that's cool to see, especially for from being like I said young and having kind of some foresight on his future and knowing the direction he kind of wants to go, not knowing exactly what it is, but just the bundle of of possibilities is what I think about when I think of that podcast. What about Brent? I think Brent, man, was a real eye-opener for people, like a real 
coming out party for him as a as a artist and a musician, even though he'll still never say that he's those things. He really looks as a, looks at himself as a jack of all trades, master of none, and he doesn't flaunt any of it. So he's just Mr. Humble, but I really got a lot out of that personally. I've always wanted him to be able to express that side. You're, you know, Cindy talked about how when she went and watched you play, she'd get this become this ball of energy and nervous and would be nervous. And then, you know, we don't have that. Like Brent has that. He's that, that kind of, I don't want to, I'm not going to step out in front. I'll play drums. I'll do whatever you want in the background. But he doesn't put himself out there like that. It was, it was personally awesome for me for him to get a showcase a little bit of that side. You know, because even when he was here, we were kind of trying to pry a little bit out of here and there and then everything was a little bit too you know don't want to play this song because of this or i didn't yeah that's it mine was along that same line but it was fun to watch watch him progress just during the podcast yeah he didn't want to put a song out there at all at first and i think by the end he was like i thought maybe it's the bourbon though <laughs> well, it, well he had beer but yeah, it always helps beer, yeah. it always helps well maybe it was our bourbon drink and we got more convincing <laughs> yeah but we ended, so we ended up what sharing four songs maybe five maybe not of all the podcasts but of all the ones that 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 are family members and and people that go to the lake and that i see constantly more people have commented like i had no idea you know just like you said during i dude i had no idea you've done all these things well a lot of people they know that he plays music and he's played drums and done some cool stuff with other people but they had no idea that he wrote a bunch of songs and you know expressed that type of artistic side they just looked at him as you know brent playing around the fire and plays the drums for other people because like i said he just would never put his foot out there to say hey let me play a song i wrote he would never do that yeah so my daughter tia the thing she loved about the episode was that he bought a thousand dollar van and drove it all across the united states (laughs) that was the moment she went i can do that yeah yeah so yeah she just recently sold her car and bought an old humpty van (laughs) so you know who'll be helping her fix that up well yeah, I, know. I tell you what, after looking at this studio, you can't say you don't have carpentry <laughs> skills. So, yeah, you got to help out, man. Yeah, that'd be fun. It's going to be a cool project. I saw the bare bones of it, uh, yeah. Kim and I, yesterday uh, with you guys. And Old Tio. Arrow Star. You man. don't see those anymore. Well, it's like an 85 or something, ain't it? 91. Is that a 91? Yeah. Man, they did not change anything about those things, did they? It has 100,000 miles on it. Runs like a top. That's the important thing. Is that Arrow Star. Dependable. That arrow star that we had, it looked just like that. It was a white arrow star. I thought, I almost one time thought we were going to die in that arrow star. I'll tell you about that in a second. But that arrow star we had, we, it was our road tripper, our road dog. We'd drive down to, well, not me, I was a kid. Uh, we'd take that middle seat and put it on the wall and have that big floor in the middle. You could lay down, do all kinds of stuff. And Nobody uh, cared you didn't have a seatbelt on. We didn't even talk about seatbelts in those days. <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't know how many thousands of miles were on that thing when it was finally given to Uncle, uh, Uncle Martin's campaign. It became the campaign van. <laughs> I think it, it, I don't remember. There was a dental. At one point, there was a, a a boat that had rolled into the side of it and had a big dent in the door. I mean, it was that thing drove until literally. I think Dustin ended up donating or selling i don't know but it went forever so that thing's got a lot of legs left in it but there was one time we were on our way to the lake and uh, grandmother was with us and i was probably 10 chris was with us jen i'm pretty sure jen was there dad's driving anytime mom mom is in the car and she's not driving it's you know she 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 makes sure that the driver, especially if it's <laughs> she's dad, a backseat she, driver. Yes, yeah. She just is better in control. My mom is good with. Hey, let me take care of this, and you can completely trust her to do it. So, this dude, we were in a torrential downpour, and before I think even before we left, mom had mentioned something about the tires, and we're pulling a trailer, this old trailer that dad had. I think Daryl Ray, it was old Daryl Ray trailer that was constructed. And it, he had us pulling that behind his van. And we're heading down 65 and it's pouring. And, and mom says, hey, Rick, slow down. And, you know, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Rick, slow down. <laughs> and it's crazy. I mean, this is probably like a, a Memorial Day holiday weekend. So traffic's insane. Well, the next thing you know, dad loses control. The whole van starts veering right. 
and then he cuts it back, and then we're looking left. We're looking, we're driving down 65 at 70 miles an hour, crazy traffic, torrential downpour. Now we're looking at like the, you know, the signs over here on this side, like speed hump or what, I don't know. And then we're going back and we're looking at a bridge. They're going the other <laughs> way across. I have no idea how he got that van under control with this trailer behind it. It went across traffic probably three times before we finally figured it out. And we had, I remember somebody coming up from behind and going, y'all okay, you know, giving us the okay sign. And I'm sure dad's eyes were bigger than a saucer. I was in the back seat crying. I mean, <laughs> it was the most dramatic. <laughs> and then the next thing that happened was we got knee town, got some new tires. <laughs> I'm sure, your, I'm sure your mom made oh, sure that happened. Oh, my gosh. That's at least how I remember it. But I swear, I, I thought, I'm probably going to make it to 10. I'll never see the coronavirus. <laughs> oh. Let's just go on through these names since we started this. Oh, so Larry Bond. Larry Bond. Hey, you don't have to apologize, man. Uh, yeah, you know how I work. <laughs> <laughs> you veer, I pull us back. That's but you right. know what? I listened to the Jenny Carr episode, and you pulled us back. Two times. Two times, man. Yeah, two times. Well, look, well, you're on your own tonight. You got to pull me back. Because, yeah, I was like, man, did I? Wait, I just did that. Holy crap. Thought we were getting out of hand or something. I don't know what was going on. You've been around me too much, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I probably need some of that, so it's good. Larry Bond, what do you remember? What sticks out? Don't think too hard. Just what comes first thing comes to mind. I've talked about it a lot, and Roger was the one who really pinpointed it. And I think with Larry, the fact that you can get out of music that long, but realize that you never had more fun. And if you get a chance to do it again, you're going to do it again. You'll spend $700,000 on drums to get back in the band, you know? And I that's, think that's funny, man. Lights. So once again, we're thinking along the same lines because that's, that's what stands out to me. Matter of fact, that's the only episode I ever took a clip and made that the beginning of the episode. Yeah. I think he got a little emotional when he starts talking about, you know, getting back into music and how much it meant to him. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was uh, pretty cool to hear him talk about how much music meant to him. Yeah. His transition from being a drummer to a front man. Most drummers are drummers for a reason. They don't want to be in the front. They want to kind of sit in the back and in the pocket and do that thing. But for him to not only be able to do it, and you know, even if it's just tequila for the first song, and that being the first time you <laughs> sing, to transition into the lead singer, and to, and I think what what kind of also stands out with me is how you know he really was doing some traveling and doing all that stuff, and decided quick it wasn't the life he wanted. We've had people in here that are, I'm just a weekend guy when I want to play. And then there are other people that are, that have really kind of taken that journey and had to make a decision. Either, That's kind of how Brent was also, you know, he was, he was traveling around regionally and playing as often as he wanted to. And he's like, I don't want to do this. The same I want to play once a month. Yeah. I want to, I want to have fun, but I kind of want to go home every night. I don't want to do this crazy stuff. So, I just thought of something else too that stood out from Larry's just popped in my mind. So, you know, we're kind of so far removed from this, our generation, and it's hard to comprehend, but he was 18 years old, full-time in college, not doing well in a class because he's staying up late, drops the class, forgets to go re-enroll in something else, and then within a month, he's in the Vietnam War because he dropped into part-time status as a student. What that, a life change. Well, and I think that's the one thing... If we could go back, I don't know if he would have talked about it. When we've had anybody in, in that's had an experience like that, they brushed over it real quick. They don't want to talk about it. You kind of get the feel if somebody wants to go there or not. I don't think that a lot do for a reason, and you don't want to try to pry anything out, especially in a, in a microphone for the first time. That's sitting around a bonfire if they want to talk about the past. But I just sometimes wonder if anything over there would have affected everything else over here how much did that change your life how much did it grow you up how much you know what experiences stood out is it anything like the movies is it you know there's there's just a lot that that you could dive into on that that you just it's kind of it's touchy you know oh yeah because everything else i feel like man i really got keyed into what he was doing especially until the point that he said this is it and 
spent a lifetime in politics and then comes back out and really has the time of his life. And I think, you know, I think he's kind of <laughs> what I really like about that podcast is he was the first one to say, hold up, this band's not over with. It's just different, man. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have yeah. to be over. Yeah. We can just have fun if we want to have fun. So that, and I think that might have re-energized some people, especially now that your dad has a new shoulder and probably just not in pain when he plays. It's probably fun again once he gets rolling again. And old to the new has committed to uh, they going to do that now. Yeah. Oh! So. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a bit. We should have had some breaking news. That should be a pretty fun day that day. They're going to get a oh. lot of uh, a lot of bands with Fairdale connections. You know, for listeners, they're opening up a green space in in uh, uh, near the. I was going to say downtown Fairdale. I don't know if you could call it that's downtown exactly what Fairdale, it is, man. Yeah, <laughs> the roundabout, a green space, a little amphitheater area with a pavilion, and and going to have bands. Every hour, play a 45-minute set with a 15-minute break between them, so it'll be fun. Yeah, you know, our uh, your neighbor had a lot to do with that. I'm hoping that he really makes sure that that really happens, that we all get to do that, because I think that I is think just... I yeah. I do, too. I think it's a celebration of what it is now, because, man, it was nothing, and now it's this cool little thing, that, especially with Shack in the Back opening right there. If they allow them to utilize that space for shows on weekends and say, hey, we just want this little place to be popping, have a cool family atmosphere. Because they do the summer, they do uh, summer music in their yeah. little. There's uh, so much potential there. Oh my gosh. I mean, it would be awesome. You could do little bitty festivals there. I mean, there's all kinds oh, yeah. of cool stuff. But to have, I mean, think about it, man, coming out of retirement for that. As we move into that space, the Fairdale Fair needs to move into the streets. Shut them down, man, right there. Shut down the streets. How cool would that be? Yeah, you can get around there now and take it out of the Fairdale Elementary parking lot and move it onto the streets. And not only that, how much safer would it be if yeah. you shut all that down right there? Put the rides in the back of the firehouse. You can do that. Or just in, or in that, that field right there yeah. on the other side. Yeah. Man. So then we moved into awesome. Ian. Ian. <laughs> he was fun, man. So he's, uh, other than Spencer, he's another one of our... Younger, what I'd say, younger guest, the young alum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's uh, actually probably he's had a surgery, hadn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why he's yeah, not he on. Was, uh, yeah, he was right on the it. gram so much. Oh, Record he, with it. Yeah. Is he an Instagram guy? Oh man, he's yeah. good. You got to get an account, man. Yeah, you got to get an account. I need to. I want to tag you all the time when I'm doing the podcast stuff. I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. <laughs> so, what stands out from the Ian podcast? Number one, the biggest thing that stands out that I didn't know about Ian was the bourbon education that we were going to get. That was definitely our coolest bourbon segment. I mean, by far. I felt yeah. like, all right, uh, I definitely know a lot more than I didn't know coming into this podcast. Musically with Ian, I saw him play probably on the stage the first time he was on the stage. And I didn't realize that then. I didn't realize he was brand new into playing the bass. The jump... From when he started to where he is now, he loves hardcore, like hard music. So the ability to play other styles, a lot of those guys kind of stick to a thing. And he has the ability to do a lot, a lot of different stuff. Uh, to play with Desri, Delilah. I think that's what it is, yes. And uh, to do those other things, because that's more of a blues-based thing, and then you know, like you said, didn't you say something like his his group has that kind of 311-ish oh, yeah. vibe? Yeah, when, they I got li- that. when I listened to their songs, I immediately thought of 311. And not because they were trying to mimic 311, it just had that vibe. You know, it's kind of uh, uh, somewhat heavy, but very, still very melodic. If they're listening to that and hate that, that's a compliment, man. It's just because oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. their stuff is so, like you said, man, melodic and, and, and has that there's something that just feels good about it. Another thing that really stood out with me, and I think that I already knew it coming into it, was that whole recording process that they went through. For us, I think that was important to hear, to kind of figure out, look, I don't think that if you recorded something, we're going to sit on it for months. We're going to be working probably with one thing at a time. And, you know, once I've, I'll help you run booms and mics and all that crap, and you can do all this stuff when I'm down the street. And we uh, somewhat heard that again when we had Phil Bright come in. You know, mm-hmm. you, you asked him the question, I believe it was, you know, there's a lot of recording studios in Louisville. Do you guys have relationships? And he yeah. said that he's 
built his recording studio on experiences people have had like Ian's band had with the first dude. He probably didn't even do that on purpose, you know? I mean, that's probably something that, especially after you get somebody that comes to you after a terrible experience, they're going to prop you up and be like, man, you ought to go see Phil Bright. I've dealt with this other person. It was a nightmare. This guy will walk you through it and he'll help you. And, and I've heard good things about Jordan, the guy that, mm-hmm. that produced... Uh, the second time around? Yeah, the mm-hmm. Acquainted Strangers second uh, record. I've heard good things about him for a long time. So Ian's a, he, he's a, he was a big first for us. He's our only episode with the E beside it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah, I, I think he was kind of pretty happy about that, to be honest with you. So then we moved into Jeremy. Jeremy Scharf, he's he's so busy, man. We had a, we had a hard time getting him in here, you know. And, uh, mm-hmm. man, when you and uh, Jeremy got together... I couldn't keep up with the conversation. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's it's weird because when you have relationships with people, you never know how they are with other people, especially other musicians or this or that, which is kind of cool when Jenny and, and Josh were here because Josh and I have a certain relationship. Him and uh, Jenny have a different relationship. And especially when you play music with other people, you don't know what the relationships are. But I've always had that with Jeremy. And he probably has that with everybody else that he plays with, you know, just... You get on this roll and this momentum, and there's you, you can't stop talking. You we could have been here another three hours. No, I was more than that. I mean, it's like uh, you know, you were laughing when Brent was in here about how uh, how much we had in common. For well, you and Jeremy were the same way, man. You guys, oh, yeah. you guys are like brothers. Yeah, except I don't think that I am nearly as busy as he is. My wife may tell you otherwise, <laughs> but I swear I don't. I don't know anybody that functions on the level that he functions on as far as this to this to this to this to this and I think like I said on the podcast the biggest thing is I think he's present wherever he is every time or at least most of the time he always has seemed that way with me Um, he's very intentional I think he packs a lot in the time he has to do his hobbies Mm mm-hmm his music, uh, you know, the mascot work, but then he's very intentional about family time. Oh, yeah. And does not schedule anything during that time. He made that clear. Yeah, yeah. You know what stood out for me, and it probably wasn't as big a deal for you, that was the first time I ever heard him play the harmonica. So I was just... What? When when we said, hey, we're getting ready to play the harmonica, <laughs> and he started playing, I was blown away. You, hadn't, you didn't know? I never heard him play before. <laughs> So it was that. like, oh, yeah. I just, yeah, holy crap. I can't believe you didn't text me that night and be like, dude, that was crazy. I heard the Billy Ray Cyrus recording that, mm. that he had shared with me. But, you know, I knew that was in a recording studio. You know, you don't know how much he practiced that, how many takes he's done. But when he just played, it's one take, you man. know, off the cuff yeah. and was just improvising, you know, you said, hey, I'm going to play an E, and he picked up his harmonica and was just improvising. Mm-hmm. That just blew me away. The On his Spotify, I think he's got one little Spotify record out. Of it. It's maybe eight songs. The very last one, I don't remember if he did. He tell the story about, I'm pretty sure he told the story about he had like 11 minutes left to record and just said, hey, hit record. And they're like, dude, you got 11 minutes. You ain't got nothing. We ain't got time for this. And he's like, I got 11 minutes. I'm taking every second of it. <laughs> and, and the very last thing on that record is just him playing. I think he probably did one take of just, here, I'm playing this little harp, this rhythm. And then he did another take, and he played. And, and I think he was stomping. Yeah. And then the second take was him playing over top of it. And it's ridiculous. I listened to it like four times the next day. <laughs> I think we should probably, if uh, he wouldn't mind, put it at the beginning of this for this one. Just yeah, that, okay. that blues harp rolling into it. Because, I man, the songs, I love the songs. The songs are great. But the dude yep. can just flat out do something special with the harmonica. He can. It's stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's stupid. When you have the ability to play with people that are just a level above you in anything you do, it's like when Toy sings, he's a level above anybody else that I know that sings. I mean, it's just there's certain people have this thing. I talked about Jeremy being proficient at everything. He really is. He's a guy that picks up a piano. He can play it like that's his first instrument. He picks up a guitar. He can be a rhythm guitar player like that was his first instrument. You know, he picks up a harmonica, and it's just what just happened. 
He said he knew how to play the harmonica first time he picked it up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, that people like that exist in on every instrument. There was this guy that I played with, with one of my bands, Phenom. I still uh, haven't found my instrument. I'm likely at on. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. Believe me. Um, Jody Jones. He was, I don't know, 18 when I met him. And this was a, a hookup through Matt Davidson. We we met for lunch one day, and he's like, man, I got this kid I want you to play with. I was probably 25, 26. I wasn't much older than him, but he's like, he's a freshman at Bellarmine. He's one of the best guitar players I've ever heard. So I was like, all right, cool. And I, and I meet up with him. I think I was playing with Earl Mason and John Altman at the time, and we were probably Neil Johnstone band or something. Who knows? Something real creative like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, dude, he just... First time he hit a note, it, it was something about not only his ability to play, but the tone of the guitar, the way that it sounded. There was when Phil talked about Tony, Tony McElwain, yeah. something in his hands makes that he could play the piece of crap guitar, and it sounds like the best Martin you've ever heard. There's just people that have that ability to make something different come out of that instrument, mm -hmm. and and as an 18 year old kid, he could do that. Uh, just like, you know, Jeremy picking up that harp and he, he knew what he was doing. You know, there's just Matt Davidson with the bass. That's what he was. You throw it in his hands and you could just, you would think there's more than a, a bass player. It's it's awesome to watch Rudy Rudy uh, Bannon, who I think ended up changing his stage name to Rudy Vaughn when he became a front man. He was a sax player in, in Voodoo Symphony. As a freshman, he was the best sax player on campus at UK and he probably the best sax player in the state. He was definitely the best sax player I've ever heard in my life. What's his name? Rudy Bannon. B-A-N-N-O-N. But later he he ended up switching over to guitar. He still played the sax, but he became a front man and won Hard Rock Rising in like 2008, which is a nationwide talent search. As a, as a front man, Rudy Vaughn, VA, like you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm -hmm. He changed his name to Rudy Vaughan because basically, I mean, he was the Stevie Ray Vaughan of the sax anyway. He was that good. <laughs> so he would play guitar and, you know, every once in a while play sax or he would not play the guitar and sing and then all, you know, break out the sax. It, it, he was amazing. I mean, he's just amazing. To get the chance to play with people like that and see a different level of ability, it, it's crazy. So when I first played with Jeremy and, and actually saw what it looked like it was like oh my gosh so so that's what stood out with you is uh just his absolute holy crap ability to play yeah i mean just that harmonica piece that he first played just i was like oh my goodness this guy can can really play it's crazy to see to see what a good harmonica player looks but like you know yeah. another piece like, though holy crap what's he doing yeah other than that though probably his gratitude Super, super humble, Probably too. the gratitude he had for what he's been able to do. I mean, you know, he he was sincerely grateful that he had the opportunities and that he's had and that he's still able to, to do the things he did. He, he, he has said, he did say, I'm just so thankful, many times during that podcast. He is, he's, he's got such an ability, and now that people understand that, and especially people that know that in a place where they need to know, like Nashville, with the connections he's forming... I think he could probably be in demand quite a bit for his abilities. And he's got a good balance of that. You know, he, he yeah. hopes that happens, mm -hmm. but I think he'll be perfectly fine if it doesn't. He works so hard and does so many other things that there's no way he won't be fine otherwise. I don't think it'll crush him. Because of his attitude and his, man, I'm just so thankful type of thought process that, you know what, if he never played another harp gig on a big stage and it was just what he's doing i think he'd feel exactly the same way i'm just so thankful i'm just so happy and not a lot of guys like that what about andy weston man that was a good one andy's was a good one i just wish we would have made it to his 30s and 40s i think there's a lot to be learned <laughs> <laughs> no i i've already listened to that again this week just to revisit it Number one, he, he did so much early in life. By 24, all the traveling he'd done and this and that and to Texas and to playing as much music as he played. And I just, what stands out with me about that podcast, and I'm so glad that it resolved 
the way it did in the end with him talking about how much fun it is to play music with the people that he was playing with down in Florida and recording at, uh, what was it, Kitchen Table Studios? Yeah, Kitchen Table Studios, <laughs> yeah. All the things. And, and and to have the mindset, the, the resolution of that podcast probably made me happier than any of the other ones because I think that, as you didn't know going into that, man, he had a lot of regret, and, and he was not a happy guy. It seemed like he was probably... With music, not with life. That's different. But when you live in that, when you have those frustrations and that misery and those, that guilt, like he lived there as much as he tried not to, you, you do. So when he said it, yeah, probably a couple of years ago, that shocked you. I mm-hmm. could see it in your face when he said it. And even listening to it, I could remember you going, that, yeah, yeah. you've had, held it that long. Stuff like that, man, it eats at you, you know, yeah. and, and I think that if if you allow it to, then it can eat you up inside. And for me, I, I probably, well, I've learned so much in the process of this podcast anyway. I mean, this is what, 16? 16 weeks. That's unbelievable. 16 weeks. The first couple, it was is hearing, you know, us the first day just coming down kind of what the heck's going on and then to your dad and then to toy and and to hear uh, Roger and and their thought process changed my thought process. It, it made me kind of uh, evolve the way that I think about things. You know, it's funny we were talking about Jeremy just a second ago. Friday he changed me. And I was a uh, long day at work, 12 hours that I condensed as much as I could into about an 11-hour day. Straight home after we recorded all night Friday and, and well, not all night, but, you know, we were probably out of here at 11. And by the time you get to sleep, it's 1230 and early morning, long day, long day. Six, we're down a ton of hours going into the day. You know, I, I rush home. All, all that's on my mind is all the stuff I have to do to get ready before I can get to the point to play music. I'm so tired. On Saturday, right? Saturday. I'm so tired. I don't feel like I just don't want to do this. I, why did I say yes to this? Why Why did I agree to do this? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I remember you guys talking because Aaron had to take, Aaron was planning on leaving his drums here, but he yep. had to take his drums because you all picked up a gig at the last minute. Yeah. So fr- On Saturday. So, so Friday, we load all his stuff in, set him up, do all this stuff. And then at, at the end of the night, we break him down. We have to take it back out. So... Thankfully, the guys are awesome. Most of the time I'm there and I can help set up everything. And I, and we all help set it up. We help break it down until everything's done, even the drums. So everybody just helps. It's awesome because nobody grabs their gear and leaves. You know, I get there and I bring in all my stuff. Everything's almost set up anyway, so we're good to go. But I get in the shower, out the shower, and I'm still kind of in that mindset of, I don't want to do this. You're tired. I'm exhausted. And then I literally look at myself and go, what's wrong with me, man? This Jeremy talked about how this is the best part of his week. Change your mind. And I, and I did. I was ready. I was like, oh, all right, this is going to be a good night regardless. <laughs> I don't care if nobody's there. I kind of hope nobody's there because, you know, all this stuff going on, I kind of <laughs> hope it's an empty house. And if, people, if it's not empty, what's wrong with these people? But that was a, that was a big part of it. It was... How did that gig go? It was awesome. We had a decent little crowd and people uh, danced. And, you know, um, it was surprising because I did not think, number one, that anybody would be out. And then the people that were out had a good time. So it was nice to see them out there doing that. And the reality that knowing it's your fault you're thinking like this. All you got to do is not think like that. You know, I I learned that in, in episode 12 with Jeremy. You know, what we didn't get into on that piece, though, with uh, with my uncle was, yeah, I guess we did a little bit. What's What flipped that switch two years ago? He said he was sitting in the basement. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, look, my wife has forgiven me. Quit beating yourself up, I think is what he said. At some point, you got to forgive yourself for your mistakes, man, especially if nobody else holds it against you. I would say his biggest regret, and I don't, I don't, I'm speaking for him, and I think that he would agree with me, was... He felt like he left his girls out to dry. You know what stands out to me in that show is just that he let us in on this and let this let let us share mm-hmm. this yeah. emotion with him, which I think came out in that mm-hmm. podcast when you listen to it. You know, yeah. you can feel it. It didn't work out for him and his wife in the music industry. 
but they came out all right. Mm-hmm. The other side of that, I mean, you think about how many people have done that same thing and put it all on the line and spent every penny they have, and it does work out, then it's a great decision. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, so So he did, you know, we all do what we think. Everybody at any time, regardless of how stupid or how bad of a choice it might seem later, we all do the best we can and make the best decisions we think mm. we can make at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it's you all know? flip of a coin thing, man. What yeah. ha- I mean, what happens if he's in a one of those bars playing some stuff and then somebody that is a decision maker that can go, yep, come with me and, and can, and everything changes. I really wish that they would have done some duets, man. What if that would have ki- kicked it? <laughs> we we already have, have Sharon coming on. It's supposed to be next week, but with this Corona stuff, we, we don't have, We're going to Skype it. I can't wait to hear her talk about not only that time, but the episode itself, because I'm not a hundred percent sure she didn't learn something. I can say that about everybody we've had on that I knew. Yeah. Even the people that I didn't know, like I didn't know, uh, I, I didn't know Ian at all mm-hmm. before he came on. And you do a podcast like this for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, you feel like you get to know somebody. So I, I bet she, like everybody else, she probably did. It's crazy because. Maybe not hear things the first time, but. In a raw form. Yeah. You know, it's just, you've said it a lot. Or at least enough to note that you're like, how many times do you actually sit down and talk to somebody for a couple hours and really just talk? So at some point, and it's happened in every episode, and it probably happened to us about episode two or three, there's a point where you let your guard down. And in every conversation, people have gotten to the point where they actually let their guard down. Mm -hmm. That's when it really starts flowing and I wouldn't say getting interesting because it's it's interesting from the jump. The emotion comes through. Yeah, it's like, man, look. Maybe it might be what we're talking about. Maybe you get to know the guest in that first hour, and then you start relating to them, and then you start feeling what they feel. I don't yeah. know. Everybody we talk to, there is always a, a line that everybody relates to. In all these podcasts, we could go from the first one to the to 15 and probably say, well, here's something that, that's pretty normal in all of them, which I would just off the bat would say, you can put down the music, but you can't give it up. You know, you mm-hmm. always come back to it. And that's that's been a through line throughout this. I mean, Roger talked about it in an episode four or five, whatever it was. Well, go to two, your dad. Your dad didn't play for how long? And then he picked it back up. You know, motorcycles, this and that, all the and never it, played the bass. That is a Western trait. That is not normal to not start playing an instrument until you're like twenty something. <laughs> <laughs> That's come out in a lot of podcasts though, how many people started their music in a school band. Yeah. And and another thing that's come up a lot is church. Church. How many people start their music in church? Yeah. It's definitely been like a, a line in in my life. And I wonder, is that a Kentucky thing? Is that like know. a Bible Belt thing? Or is that, do you think that's Man, that uh, is a, national? That's a great, great question. Nearly everybody we've talked to started music in church. Yeah. Or band and then to church. Huh. Jenny, Phil, Ian. I mean, there's, toy. there's a bus. Toy, toy always toy. played in church. Yeah. Sharp's playing in church now, right? Didn't he talk about church, playing music in church? Yeah, I think so. I do believe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um, either school or church. I mean, you know your dad started in school band. Trumpet. Trumpet. Yep. You started yep. in school band with the trumpet. Yep. So then we moved into Phil, man. Phil was our... Uh, that was an education. That was our first guest with crazy recording experience. <sighs> Good Lord, dude. <laughs> It was insane. You know, that was that was one where I was excited for you. I, and not because I wasn't excited about having Phil, but with most of the guests, I was just jazzed to have them. But that was when I was like, we're going to learn some stuff, and you're going to be so into that podcast. Yeah. Because that probably could have been about a 
15 hour podcast if you I still if, want to go see him at a little <laughs> recording company yeah I, I heard uh, how much he glossed over that when we were asking about him in the podcast well, he said I could pay his hourly rate I don't know about that Phil Bright <laughs> how about you give us a mic we'll come work for you for free for a day come on bro <laughs> he did that. He did say that I could come uh, be an apprentice well and, and I think we should I think both of us should I mean just to go watch what it looks like I mean it may be November by the time we're allowed out of quarantine, but whenever it is, <laughs> we'll go over to Lover <laughs> Recording Company and just hang out. I think it'd be awesome. And it starts to fix the problem that is studios don't talk to each other. I think that's an issue. Any musician that writes wants to record their music, there's enough people. It's it's cutthroat as the music industry is, but man, why? It doesn't make sense to me. There's no promotion of each other. There's no, it's like, um, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. It, it, it's a famine mentality. You know, not the podcast itself, but when, when a lot of comedians talk about how comedy used to be to how it is now, they promote each other now to where they used to just absolutely eat each other. But they were looking for, there are two slots a week on the Tonight Show. There are this and that. There's so little opportunities. It isn't like that anymore. Everybody wants to, that writes, wants to record all these things. There's plenty of spaces. There's plenty of people. Promote each other. Help each other out. You know, and that, to Phil's credit, that's one thing he said. Hey, man, I probably got some mics you could have. And, yeah, and, matter and of fact, I need to call him on that. We need to get those. <laughs> What's that Phil? equipment you were talking about giving us, Phil? Well, How about we get some of that? He's probably got one of these Rode NT... Uh, <laughs> yeah, hey, we love those. That's top of the line for I us. I love this stuff. He's probably got three of them sitting in there he'll never use again, you know? I asked him about the Rode. He said, yeah, I had one once. Yeah, it's probably sitting in a closet. He probably still has it. <laughs> so, yeah, with Phil, that was the one that I questioned. All right, what is it? What is this podcast going to be like? Because as much as I knew he played and did other stuff, I knew there was going to be a point where we were going to get into the technical aspect. And you did a good job of kind of making sure it wasn't too crazy technical, but still interesting. There was a certain point in time where you there was, there was a fork in the road, and you went, <laughs> all right, do I take this next hour to ask every question that I really want to know about the recording process and decibels and this and that <laughs> and compressors and phasers? Or should we talk about like what's going on with this and that? So it was pretty cool, man. It was, it was a really interesting podcast. And I feel like even as a super duper duper amateur, I learned a few things about the recording process that... I can incorporate to my home studio, and when I send them down here, it'll help the process of getting us to the next phase. For me, Phil Bright was just a wealth of knowledge that I wish we had 10 podcasts to kind of dive into, because I, I do believe that he's not going to divulge every secret, but he knows that your your goal is not to take over the recording space of Louisville. Your goal is to learn the process, enjoy what you're doing. If you make a little money on that backside to pay for all the stuff you've already <laughs> bought, that'll be good too. I didn't know Phil. I used to go see Roger play with Soap Parade, and, you know, I was probably introduced to him at that time, but I didn't know him. So when he came in here, one, he's just a super good guy. Super chill, man. And you can see <laughs> why he has a successful recording studio. Mm -hmm. The thing that stood out to me was just all the aspects of his recording studio, how he looks at his work. Mm -hmm. He doesn't look at himself as just an engineer. He tries to fix, or not fix, that's not the correct help. word, but he tries to help his clients in any area that he feels like he has something to contribute. I think that a lot of singer-songwriters or bands, especially in the process of, of recording, and, and, and as a writer, I feel like, when I write something, this is what I'm, this is it. But that doesn't mean it's the best it can be. We kind of mentioned when Jordan challenged Acquainted Strangers, y'all are better than this. I think Phil has that. He is chill as can be, but there's a standard. I don't want you to come in and waste your money. And I, honestly, I don't want to record that. How about we work to make it the product that I think it, that you all can get to 
and let's push it. Let's push, let's push this to make you guys come up with the sound that you really need. And I also learned if the source sucks, don't worry about anything else. That's important, you know? And, and part of that is if the source is the band that sucks or the singer songwriter <laughs> that sucks, fix it. Let's, let's work on making that better before we go to the next step. Because there was a couple of times he mentioned that. Look, we're going to, we're going to make sure that it's ready to record before we actually get into that process. And I was thinking about that Friday night when we were in here setting up the drums. I figured you would be. You know, moving mics around, and I was trying to just listen real careful, real closely, you know, what do we have coming through those microphones, mm -hmm. each of those. And, and if the signal's good, you know, I'm lear learning, look, that negative six threshold is the max, but you can go as low as negative 18. I had no idea. Yeah. So that was news to me thinking, all right, as long as it's, cl it's clean, you can work with it. Mm -hmm. So even when I was in here just setting up, I was thinking about what you were thinking about. Jenny Carr, we had our first, and I was a little nervous about this. We had our first four-person podcast. I didn't know how that would work because, you know, it might be hard to not talk over top of each other with four people. But we had a lot of fun with the Jenny Carr podcast. Well, at first I was scared of the bodyguard until I realized I knew him. The nicest dude in the world. He is definitely one of the nicest, chillest guys you'll ever meet. I don't think I've ever seen him angry, even like a little bit perturbed. He's still like, it's okay. <laughs> He's just super, super nice. So we kind of got the nudge to need a female, need a female, need a female. And you'd mentioned it. And then you'd mentioned Jenny. And, and it was a cool connection because of Josh. And, and, but not only that, because of her history of music, man, she's been around for a while doing this and doing it at a at a pretty super high level. She's accomplished. I mean, seriously, to have the, the accolades and experiences that she's had and to, to play some of the things that she's had was amazing. And But you know what? She was not comfortable talking about her accomplishments. Mm -mm. Come on, Jenny. Hey. Tell us some of this good stuff that's yeah. going on. Yeah, she was almost <laughs> like a musician version of Brent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except she does it for a living. Yeah. No. Very humble. Very humble. Very humble. Um, yeah, man, I thought that, like, seriously, it was important to get our first female in here. Nobody better to do it. There was about 20 minutes in, everybody just took a breath and relaxed. It just flowed. And, I, man, that was... Listening to it, I laughed more during that podcast than probably any. I just thought it was hilarious. So I got a little nervous at one point during that podcast. Yeah, well, you did some editing uh, during that podcast, too. <laughs> yeah, but not a lot. You not, know, not we, lot. we kept the content, but, you know, one of the things, the old uh, age-old wisdom of not talking religion or politics— and we try to avoid that on this show, yes. but it just kind of crossed paths there because, and legitimately, Jenny talked a lot about how the the lines cross between country and gospel and how interconnected they are mm -hmm. and, you know, where she, she was with that. And we briefly got into a little talk about beliefs and religion, and I was like, oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> Here we but go. But it turned out okay. Yeah, it did well. Thank you for the edit. And um, <laughs> no, man, it, it especially when you talk about country music and and songwriting and 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 her her honesty and talking about that because you know that's that's super honest. That's raw. That's as raw as writing a song about it, if not more. That you're saying, look, this is this is where I'm at, and this is what I'm talking. This is the my my struggle. You know, I remember. My youth minister, when I was probably third grade, Phil Miller, who's actually back at Fairdale Christian now, talking about, you know, he was standing on one foot and holding his foot out in front of the other, kind of keeping balance. He said, look, there's a line on the ground, and and you can put your foot over it, and what side you step on, you know, I was just talking about, you know, it's really easy to step on that. What is the balance? And he was kind of talking about, you know, you can drink, and what's the point where you're going over the line? What's the point where you're doing the creating a sin or not and country music is a as much a gospel based music as any i would say uh popular secular music is other than actual christian music on the radio it's as close to that or um 
maybe even some R&B soul music. As a songwriter, I think that, that is part of, of what makes country country. You know, you talk about the family, you talk about loving God, and, and, and but there's also that honky-tonking aspect and being at the bar on Saturday and at church on Sunday, and there's that real mix of where's the line for her to bring that out and mention that. I mean, it led to the it led to the conversation that ensued, which is hard for us because, like you said, we we don't mean to we don't want to step on anybody's toes. You know, we don't mm-hmm. want we don't talk about politics because we don't want to alienate anybody if they don't think how we think. There's no winning. There's no winning, no winning in, in politics and religion. So, you know, you can think whatever you want, but for us to to spout off here's what i believe and if you don't believe it then you know blah 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 that's just not how we work so let me ask you this when is a saxophone song coming into your all set <laughs> i talked to josh about that saturday well here's the thing with josh i'm pretty certain josh is bored with the keys super bored <laughs> because of all the instruments, that's probably his least favorite other than the accordion that he keeps somewhere in his house that's not to be displayed. That would be cool to pull out, too. I think so, too, man. <laughs> Especially after watching these videos of quarantine people in Italy playing the saxophone. <laughs> I'm like, man, this is amazing. First sound uh, effects of the night, by the way. <laughs> so I was like, man, what do we need to do? Bring a guitar. Bring the sax. And he was like, man, that's just more stuff for me to carry. I was like, I'll bring my guitar. He's like, no, I actually thought about bringing the acoustic tonight. And I think that's probably part of it. When he plays, as a drummer, when you play the drums, I could not imagine being a drummer in a band and having to set up everywhere I go. Break down, set up, break down, set up. It's never easy. Especially when you bring three toms and that's what I was five gonna say. cymbals. And- I was like, personally, if I played, I would play a three-piece with a crash and a ride, and that would be it, and a hi-hat. That would be my drum set. I'm not overplaying. I'm going to be in the pocket. I'm not going to play every every drum um, that's just it's too much for me to worry about drummers don't think like that they don't they're like how many things can i hit tonight other drummers love drums <laughs> <laughs> uh, refer to episode 10 <laughs> i mean seriously i love, I, love it. I understand because he's probably the next he brings two keyboards one's an organ one's keys he's got his amp which he brings as well. And then he's got a stand that he has a double stand and all this other crap. Plus he has in-ear monitors that he brings now. And then he has these, fortunately, thankfully, he brings um, wireless instrument packs that he brings for me and Spencer so we can run around and play guitar without having to trip on anything. So he's bringing a lot. So if he just adds a guitar and a sax, it's just more work for him. So did you walk out in the crowd Saturday? No, man, I ain't messing with that. I was quarantining myself to the stage. <laughs> that is a pro- you know, it's a it's a good problem to have for me right now, but it's a problem that I have is when I play music and I have my break, I generally don't talk to anybody, which is pretty terrible. Like Roger talked, hey, man, I go and talk to everybody, say thank you for coming, blah, blah, blah. My issue is I, I don't make myself. I can't, man. Change it's, that. I will, but I'm glad I didn't last week. This last weekend. <laughs> you didn't pick up any corona? Correct. I mean, you know, the dancers were quite a bit away, and I, other than the table that, that I went to eat my food at, I really didn't talk to anybody other than uh, I said hello to Spencer's grandma and uh, aunt. Yeah, so Josh has enough to, to carry and do, so I understand it. But after the gig, I was like, man. One more saxophone case. A saxophone case, and I'll bring the, uh, an acoustic, because I think that I think that he would have a lot more fun. So you don't he, bring an acoustic to your shows? Mm-mm. When did you quit on that? When I when we were a three piece with me, Doug, and Aaron, and I had to fill up some space and kind of learn how to be a lead guitar player, honestly. And I don't do very much lead at all. Spencer pretty much takes the role, and he's killing it these days. I do very little lead, so I could bring an acoustic. And I think I probably will. That way he has one, and if I want to play it, then I could put the acoustic or the electric away and play because we have songs that are fitted more for an acoustic than the electric anyway. And we have songs that we can lose the keys on, and he can play the acoustic, and I can play the electric, and it would be just as good. Or the saxophone. Or the sax or whatever else he wants to play. <laughs> I can play the acoustic. Yeah. So we were going to go to Rubby's and 
get some wings, but now restaurants closed down. So. Well, and I, I told him, I said, he asked me about that Saturday. Too. I said, man, I promise it's date night, not just for me and Brad, but we're going to bring our wives too. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever that opens back up on the first Wednesday of the opening, yeah, we'll have to go, man. That's going to be a good time. The corona release, we'll go. Yeah, man, but I learned with, with, Jen, with Jenny. Does she have some pipes or what? Oh. My goodness. When they sat yeah. in here and played a few acoustic songs, it's just crazy. Well, and, and uh, you know, we did a couple out there in the big room for the first time, which actually weren't on the podcast. Everything that was in the podcast was in the podcast I got room. Those, though. That's when she was getting going. The third song that she sang out there before Josh started singing, take him, Josh. Did we do an original out there, though? No, but who cares? Come on, we don't, I don't care. <laughs> Are they going to demonetize us? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get pulled. Yeah, that's true. Well, this podcast has taken a different direction than we were going to start. <laughs> yeah. We talked about how you can go out there and people put out formulas for writing hit songs. And so I just pulled up a formula for writing a hit song. It was uh -oh. 10 steps. Uh oh. <laughs> and I said, okay. You know, when you came in, I said, what do you think, Neil? And you're like, go for it. I said, well, do you want to read the formula before? And you said, no, I don't want to read it. Let's just do it. So that was the original plan, but then we started talking about the podcast, and uh, and it, it went that route. So maybe, maybe maybe another time we'll do this uh, formula to write a hit song. We're going to have no guests for about the next 15 weeks. <laughs> I hope not, but that's a, that's a possibility. Been great. Been great again, Top brother. Top Podcast. Episode 16. Going on, episode 16 in the bank. In we'll the see bank. you guys next week. We hope our guests can make it, but... <laughs> see you, buddy. <laughs>